Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to your latest instalment of the Gelsnet Weekly Podcast, hosted by myself, Craig Gray, the independent Rangers podcast made for fans by fans. And we're going to be here to dissect what's been a pretty good week for Rangers, and let's hope it gets better. And just before we introduce um, our guest tonight, I want to give a little message from our sponsors, that is Forest Precision uh, Engineering. They're a subcontract Glasgow-based engineering company who have been a big commercial supporter of Rangers for many years. And we're absolutely delighted that they're backing a podcast. You can get them over at forestprecisioneng.com. And you can also visit the Forest Precision Executive Lounge, a stunning new hospitality area within the historic main stand. For more information on how to book this unique and intimate space, you can email the club via hospitality at rangers.co.uk. Now that I've done that, it's time to introduce my guest. As you can see, ladies and gentlemen, we've got a new face on the show tonight, Mr Scott Bradley. Scott, you nervous, mate? Not at all, mate, not at all. I'm very happy to be here, I'm very happy to be here mate. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely, we'll we'll get right into it. I mean, last night, what a what a performance from our um, feather in the cap and Mr. Philip Clement. Um, what a start the guys made. Um, something that really I think resonated with me last night, first and foremost, I think, was the backing of the fans. We've seen how um disengaged people were after that Aberdeen game. Even after that, like the the Lamisol game, the St Mirren game, even though we won, um, there was a real disconnect between the fans and the club. And uh, Philippe Clement has has really sort of done well to to bed that and, and repair that relationship um, in quite a short period of time, which I think is quite quite a remarkable achievement. And that's really the first step. You need to be able to get that relationship with the fans. And the fact that he's managed to do it is great. You know, the fact that the stadium was still full yesterday, pretty much even with like you know, going into injury time, despite the fact that they pulled a goal back, you know, the flags waving and injury time and stuff like that in the Broomlin, um, and then status quo playing at the end of the game, which is brilliant, a wee change. Um, I mean, it was, I just thought the fans were brilliant last night, mate. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, the, the atmosphere was electric. And uh, as you said, like, that's one thing I noticed where that the atmosphere was just so positive and there was no, like, even if a player made a mistake, there was no negativity. And obviously, I will speak about Sam, Sam Lammers later on, but, like, yeah, it was brilliant and the fans are fully behind Clement and obviously, I don't want to get too ahead of myself because I think as Rangers fans, we've, we've got a tendency of doing that, but the signs so far are very promising under Clement and, yeah, even when Sparta Prague scored and it was 2-1, I still didn't believe that they would come back. I really didn't think that mm-hmm. because like if that was under Michael Beale, panic stations would have been kicking in. But mm-hmm. and obviously when they scored, I was like, nah, we're, ne- we're never in doubt. We were always going to see that game out. And there's just, there's a, there's a real positive atmosphere around Ibrox. It's been, no been there for a long time and the signs are there and the fans are really buying into what Clement is doing right now. And yeah, I, I couldn't be happier than now, man. Like the last month or two, it's been well. Obviously, the last month uh, since Clements came in, it's it's been very good. No, definitely. Um, first half, I thought yesterday. First twenty minutes in particular were, were fantastic. Clements said it, and he's he was absolutely spot on. The best forty-five minutes of football um, that were played um, since he's came in. It, it just seemed to be the sort of complete performance. Um, Danilo, first of all, I wanted to talk about him. Um, since Clements came in, six games, three goals, four assists. Um, getting a goal contribution more than one a game. It's a fantastic record. Um, that goal yesterday that he scored, I think, summed him up, you know, chasing oh, everything yeah. down, pressing everything. Something that we never seen under Bill, but we seem to be getting back under Clement and, you know, you had to be ready to, to pounce on it. And you know what, Scott? I actually reminded me a wee bit of a similar game against Sparta Prague two years ago 
where Morello scored the goal that was made by a mistake in their defence as well. But Danilo, he's been absolutely fantastic the last few weeks, hasn't he? Oh yeah, he's been brilliant. He's, I don't know what it is, but ever since uh, he started wearing the mask, he's been on fire, man. <laughs> um, no, but he has been really impressive. Like even as you said about his goal as well, the pressing as well. Like he was just a total thorn in the side for that Sparta Prague defence last night. And obviously, we'll get into his goal. Like I think that I believe was wrongly chopped off. But yeah, he's mm. been a breath of fresh air, man. Like obviously, see, I've been. I was thinking about this last night as well. Him and Morelos are two very different strikers. Like Daniel's not a player that would hold the ball up and really link up the play. He's a a player when he's got the ball at his feet, likes to take players on. He's got great pace about him as well. And his movement's brilliant as well. Like he's always in the right areas, even though he's been missing quite a bit of chances, but he's in the right those right uh, those right areas to like get the shot away. And he will I think he's going to go on and have a great season, man. Because I think obviously at first when he came in, it was a bit of a slow burner. Then obviously I think that he, when he got that goal against St Johnston, got injured, and then since he's came back, he's been oh he's been electric. But yeah, I think it's best that he keeps his mask on because it seems to be a good luck charm for him, man. Oh, he, he can't be getting rid of it now. Um, even when his face is completely healed and all that, there's no way you can take it off because you just know you're going to see um a downpour in his performances as soon as he takes it off. Um, second goal as well, he gets the assist for it. Brilliant wee bit of build up play. Oh, he can't well the wee fake shot and then stepping inside brilliant brilliant finish by Cantwell um, I'm really glad that he's starting to now come into form slightly yeah. unfortunate that we've only got one game left before an international break but I think you can see him come on doing this with a lot of players that have been out injured slowly building him up up and up and up and even Cantwell last night we'll go on to Lammers performance in a wee bit but I think a lot of people were unhappy that it was Campbell that came off and not Lammers. I think that was more Clement just trying to sort of save his energy because he has came back from, you know, a relatively medium sort of term injury. Um, and I think it was just a case of trying to keep him, you know, on the straight and narrow and not get too carried away with him. Yeah, no, I completely agree, yeah. Like, like Todd Cantwell has been brilliant so far and it's obviously unfortunate that we've only got one more game left and it's an international break. But yeah, because I remember also when Clement first came in, there was a lot of people thinking that uh, he didn't really fancy Cantwell, but I think he's just given every player on the team, uh, just uh, every player on the team, an opportunity. It's like a clean slate. And obviously in Lammers, right, this has to be very controversial. I don't think this is going to go down well, but I believe there's a player in there. But, like, see Lammers, right, he's technically, I think he's got the, technically I think he's good. Um, he's just lacking confidence right now, in my opinion. Like he's, He's a weapon boy right now uh, for the support, and I feel like see his build up play. His build up play is good, but it's just his end product that's letting him yeah, down. That's, that's letting him down. But he's one thing about him is he, he doesn't hide. He always wants a ball. He always wants to try and make something happen, and he's just. And we've seen it before. We we've been players uh, coming coming Rangers. Like we've seen it with Bonner Barisic. He did not have a good first season, right? And look at look at look at what Bonner's went on to achieve. He's been a, a good player for us. And uh, I would actually say Bonner's been one of our better players this season. They say it quietly because I know he's got a lot, a lot of uh, haters out there. <laughs> but no, like uh, I think there is a player in there with Lammers. Just he just needs a bit more time and. Like obviously, look at the goal we scored against Dundee last week. I know, like, no disrespect, it was against Dundee, but like, the guy's got ability. It's just mm-hmm. he needs to just get sort of build up his confidence, and I feel like that's what Clement's doing when he's not taking him off. He's giving him a lot of game time to build up that confidence, you know. So yeah, I really do hope it works out for him because, um, like, obviously we spent three, three and a half million quid on him, and it's one of those ones where when Bill signed him, and you look at his goal scoring record. It's, 
not very good is it for a striker but he's a type the type of player who's not your normal striker where he actually likes to get involved in the, in the build-up play assists and all that kind of stuff but if that's I know this might not go down well but I do believe Alamas will come good it's a bold statement but I do believe we will well, we certainly hope he does because, you know, that, that's kind of what we need. We need players to be doing well. To be fair, I, I did think last night was his worst performance under Clement, but he has kind of upturned his performances a wee bit since Clement's came in. Then again, everyone else has as well. So, yep. you know, I don't I don't want to be getting too carried away about him. I do think there is ability there with him, but you had the name on the head, it's the end product. Seen a comment on Twitter that said he would cross turn himself into a fire. Oh, that, that, is, that is kind of what sums <laughs> the guy up. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like he can do a brilliant wee shimmy, a wee move here, there, and then he can fall on his backside for whatever reason. That's he needs to get that right. And to be fair, him last night he, he dug in a wee bit. Um, I think he was he was raging that he never get well. He never get booked for the first challenge that he made because he just missed the player. But then. Yeah. Like, 20 seconds later, they went right back in the same guy, <laughs> took him out, got the booking. So, fair play to him for doing that. Do you know what I mean? It was a, a different side to Lammers that, um, that I was glad to see. But I think long term, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Lammers, Scott, because I know a lot of people are saying that Campbell's best positions, um, the one that Lammers is playing just behind the striker, I tend to agree with that as well. Um, but also, we've got Tom Lawrence coming back. Um, I would imagine Lammers will probably start soon because I can't see Tom Lawrence starting and, you know, just him coming back and then obviously the, the surface and whatnot. So Lammers will probably be in again on Sunday. Um, I think long term, though, it'll be very interesting to see um, what what actually happens to him. Um, in terms of the group, obviously it was it's a win that's put us in pole position to qualify, Scott. Um, you know, after that draw in Prague, it was quite simple, you win your last two home games and you go through, but 50% of the way there, um, Clement wasn't getting too carried away about the Aris game at home, obviously we're all going into that expecting not just to win it, but to win it comfortably, and I think we should be expecting to win it comfortably, but what I like about the manager is he's firmly got you know his feet on the ground in terms of saying we're just focused on this game on Sunday, um, and there's actually still two games left to play in this group, it's not just a case of you beat Aris and that's it, We've got two more games left in this group, and each of them are equally as important as the other. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Um, hundred percent right there, Craig. And I see that's the thing I really like about Clement, where he's not getting too carried away, not getting too carried away, carried away whatsoever. And I, when I was at the press conference last month, right, it's he's got a real aura about him, a real presence. Well, we were saying it just off air as well, like last night when he was doing the post match interview, the size of the guy as well, like mm. like. The size I'm compared to like McCoist and um Derek McInnes, like he's just got that real intimidating aura, right? And we've not had that in a long time. We've not had that in a long time. That's and obviously as well, he's no like I remember like just to be a bit off topic, I was watching a Todd Todd Catmull interview, right? He was talking about Michael Beale and he was basically saying, Yeah, Michael Beale would like text him and say, Oh, you want to go for a coffee, all that kind of stuff. I'm like, you don't want that from a manager. Just like he's, you don't want your manager to be your pal, you know. And obviously, come on, you can tell come on is the type of guy that's not going to be cozying up to the players. It's just straight business. That's it. And uh, yeah, like I love that as well. Like he's not getting too carried away. And you see the way he handles post-match interviews and press conferences. It's oh mate, it's sublime, isn't it? He just knows how yeah. to questions and whereas obviously before with the previous manager Michael Beale we wouldn't think uh, before he spoke and it would just 
it would just be utter drivel. It would come out of his mouth where he's come on. Just he's very professional, says how it is, and he like oh he enjoys a, 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 the odd spare word as well. <laughs> so no, he's he's ruthless. And um as I said um at the start of the show, I'm I'm not getting too carried away, but the signs are very, very promising. And I think we potentially want to watch here with uh, Clement. No, certainly. Hopefully it's a nice Belgian one. I'm just thinking <laughs> yeah. what, what is it? What is it with Rangers fan uh, sorry, Rangers managers, recent Rangers managers and coffee? If you get the last Rangers managers wanting to take their players out for coffee, had the one before that gone out with the Celtic manager for coffee? I, I can't imagine Phil, Big Phil or Dr. Phil as my dad calls him, um, going out like asking Dessers or Lammers or whatever, or do you fancy going down to Starbucks for a wee latte or something like that? There's just no way that that's happening. But you're right, the, the guy, for me, it's professionalism. And it's yep. something that's been badly missing at the club um, for a very, very long time. Um, probably since, you know, the latter stages of Gerard, then it will the last season a bit of Gerard. Um, but to be fair to Gerard, I think he carried standards with him throughout, throughout his whole time. But obviously we've seen the fruits of that um, yep. in the last season. Um, you mentioned it there, Ellen. I wanted to talk about this topic as a whole. Um, VAR, um, first of all, the Danilo goal yesterday. Thought it was very harsh. Um, for me, it's a coming together. When you zoom it down and, and in minuscule, monopic details, yes, he de- he technically does clip the back of the guy's foot. But for me, what is the threshold for a clear and obvious error? The referee is right in front of that. He can see it clearly. I think in those positions and when it comes to VAR, I think the referee should have the guts to just turn around and say, look, I've seen it with my own eyes, clear as anything, I'm not going to the monitor, I'm sticking to my decision. Because, weirdly as well, right, it took the guy about 20 seconds to make his decision when he went to the monitor, but in the first two angles that we were shown on the TV, it doesn't look like a foul at all. It's only the third or the fourth angle that you get where it's zoomed right in. So, you know, it, it was really weird how quickly he made, he made the decision and you know, we'll, we'll talk about the Celtic manager's comments on VAR earlier um, on today in a wee bit. But, you know, there are a lot of things wrong with VAR. And I just think that that goal yesterday, for me, it, it's very, very harsh. But then again, I suppose harsh is still technically the law, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's like, no, I agree. It's, I thought it was very soft. Because at the time, when I was at the stadium, when they went in, I was like, what's it? What's he going to VAR for, right? I was, I was so confused. Then, obviously, I watched it back and I was like, come on, like, the game's gone mad if that's... I feel like obviously we've seen it where obviously the old firm game a couple months ago with Dessers, um, never a foul in a million years. Like, it, it, but obviously, as you said about Brendan Rogers and his comments saying he would get rid of VAR, but he wasn't really saying much. Um, after the obviously the roof's goal uh, got wrongly chopped off, um, no firm game last month. But for me, I'm I'm an advocate of VAR. Like, the genie's out the bottle now, uh, it, it's, it's, it's going to be in the game forever. It's they're not going to get rid of it. So it's just really about them. Like, I would say, it's just, one thing that really annoys about VAR is just, like, the time it takes to make these decisions, right? We've seen it during the week in this Chelsea Spurs game as well. It's just how long it takes. And it's just so tedious where they've got, like, all the people the people in charge of VAR, they've got all these angles, right? It should just take no more than a minute. But, yeah, that, like, obviously I'm for it. And I think it is, it's here to stay. Um, it's the right thing to have. Um, but it just needs to be utilised better. It does, and yeah, it is frustrating. Like the fact that obviously over the last couple of weeks or so, it's been 
it's been getting a lot of criticism and obviously uh, yeah. some of it has been justified. But yeah, just Brendan Rogers' comment just baffled me about it. Just baffled me about it because he wasn't complaining after the whole firm game, but all of a sudden oh. uh, Celtic get a doing against Atletico Madrid. And he's basically he's embarrassed by the result, right? He's totally embarrassed. So he's trying to make excuses by saying, Oh, basically the only reason they lost was because of that uh, because of obviously the referees well, obviously that decision during the week. But it's just and obviously that's the thing, as we all know, when it comes to certain decisions not going uh, Celtic's way, you all, you'll see the usuals uh, in the media, like your Chris Sutton's and that, like piping up and trying to make a big deal about it. And it's just putting unnecessary pressure on referees and that. But yeah, it is what it is. It's not going to change, Craig, is it? Well, the, the thing that really confuses me about Brendan Rodgers' comments about, oh, I would just scrap VAR completely. What version of VAR is he talking about, right? Because I think everyone agrees the fact that it's a watered-down version of VAR that we've got in Scotland. I think, regardless of what team you support, I think we can all kind of accept that, right? So, if your argument is that you want to streamline or improve Scottish VAR, fair enough, I don't think anyone's going to complain. The problem with Brendan Rodgers' comments is he isn't talking about Scottish VAR, the watered-down version of VAR. He is talking about VAR at elite level. Yeah. The biggest competition in the planet in terms of club football that that decision, it didn't happen. It's not a decision that's went against them in Scotland. So that that's what baffles me about it. And I think you want to compare two decisions in Celtic games. You've got the one last week against Ross County, which is pretty similar to the challenge on Tuesday. The guy goes in, gets a booking initially, it goes to the, the monitor and it's it's upgraded to a red. Um, you know, again, and I, I can understand people thinking it's harsh. It probably is, but it's one of those ones, like the Danilo one, it's still technically the letter of the law. And I think if you want to come out and say, we want to improve or we want to streamline it, fair enough. But just coming out and saying, oh, I, we should get rid of it, literally just because your team get cuffed again in Europe. Um, you know, it's it's just bonkers. Yeah. Um, you know, they're talking about a guy here who's literally the worst manager in Champions League history, just trying to make excuses. Um you know, and it's not just him, it's obviously their whole support as well. Yeah. Ironically as well, um, VARs will have been used twice in old firm games ever. And in both times, it's wrongly disallowed Rangers a goal that yep. could have potentially had a big swing on a title race. So, yep. stop with your conspiracy theory nonsense, please, guys. But um, generally, I just think, you know, I thought that was a wee bit harsh last night. But again, letter alone and all that, but... I do think we could find a way to streamline it. In terms of how we can look to improve VAR in Scotland, what measures do you think we could take to improve that and just the overall standard of refereeing, really? I would say, well, <clears throat> I would say, first of all, obviously, I think the referees need to go under, like, they do a lot more training with VAR. I think that's obvious, right? Because I spoke to Davey Martindale about this, right? And he's for VAR. But it's just, as I said, it's the time it takes. It's like, when, if they've got all these angles, why does it need to take to, like four or five minutes for a decision to be made? You know, so that's what I think. Obviously, I, I think it's an easy one, right? But obviously, we need to see the referees in Scotland. They need to be full time, mate. They need to be full time. Like the fact that we're still got part time uh, referees in the elite of, like, well, we're saying, I'm not saying Scottish football is elite, of course, but at the top end of Scottish football is embarrassing. The fact that they're all part time still. Um, and it's just, it's no right. The fact that obviously the referees need to be full time, full time training, and um, obviously more full time uh, training with VR as well. And obviously, see if the referees don't have that, or if they don't, if they don't go full time, 
the, the poor standard of officiating in Scotland is always going to continue. And obviously we can harp on about how bad the refereeing is, but it's always going to be the case until they're full time. You know, and obviously it's not like, and obviously when you look at the top of Scottish, Scottish football, obviously I'm just digging in a bit deeper here, but the fact that we've still got like people like Neil, Don, Neil Doncaster running our game and looking at the TV deals in that with Sky, it's, it's pitiful, right? It's absolutely pitiful. Like we get peanuts, um, so we do from Sky and it's just, it's not going to change unless... Obviously, the top. We need to get the top end of Scottish football at the hierarchy sorted, and then that's the only way we'll actually see, start to see change. But in terms of like, I've heard a lot of people say like, "Oh, about get foreign referees in," but like, obviously, the like, I, th- I would prefer actually us to work on our own referees. I would much prefer us to develop our own referees, make them full time, and then that's the only way it's going to get better. Because if if we don't do that, it's not going to change. No, I completely agree. I mean. In terms of the sort of wider picture, obviously that Daniel will go, thankfully never had a bearing on the outcome of the game. You know, anyone would have done last night, it wasn't like two years ago, where we had to win by two clear goals. Um, a, a single goal win done it for us last night. As I say, obviously it puts us in pole position to go through it. Now, one thing that I brought up a couple of times, and I'll, I'll do it again because obviously you're, you're new to the pod, Scott, so you've never really had a chance to voice your opinion on this. This whole sort of Europa League Champions League debate. Now, I think a, a lot of Rangers fans, I'd probably say the majority would, I think, would rather be in the Europa League going an extended run than be in the Champions League and they'll just say, well, look at last season, look at Celtic this year and the cuffings that you're going to take. For me, I always want to be in the Champions League because it's elite level. Um, I don't think we should be going into these games scared of getting battered off teams. I think we should have, you know, go in with your head held tight, try and put in the best performance you can, roll your sleeves up don't moan about things and get, get things done. But also as well, the thing for me is now, I'm not going to sit here and complain, right, if we end up in Dublin next May, okay? Absolutely not. However, history tells you, if you get to the UEFA Cup, a Europa League final, you don't win the league. It's happened three times now. Celtic in 03, us in 08, and us in 2022 as well. Normally as well, if you have an extended run in Europe, how's, how's that going to impact for me, the, the league, which I think this year is the main priority now? It's still going to be very difficult, but it's still in our hands. If we win the rest of our games 1-0, we still win the league. This title race, for me, is not over yet by a long way. Mm. But, like, like I'm saying, it's the whole, how does Europe affect that title race? Because you look at Celtic, right? Let's be honest, they're going to be finishing bottom of that group now. You see how they struggle normally after a European game. Um, and, you know... You see that when they play, they put in that great performance to be fair to them against Atletico at home. They go to Hibs and they drop points. Everything's flat because it's just a massive come down that they've got coming for that big game. You know, we Thursday to Sunday, Thursday to Sunday. Celtic have only got going to have two more match days like that. We are going to have at least another two. You're probably talking about another two, maybe even four, six after Christmas. So for me, whilst it is great to have these runs in Europe, I'm still a wee bit wary about how it's going to impact us domestically this season, especially when you factor in all the injuries that we've got as well. Yeah, like, um, see, obviously, so what you said there at the start there about um, what would you rather be in the Champions League or Europa League? Champions League all day long, like my Rangers football club, we need to be at the top of the top, you know? But in terms of, like, how will our European success affect domestically, um, that is what it is. Like, you know, we, like see, if we... 
Like, we need to go into every game wanting to win it. It's, I'm not in the mindset of, like, oh, I hope we go out of Europe, so that means we'll have a better chance of winning the league. I, I want us to mm-hmm. win everything. I want us to win absolutely everything. Um, but in terms of, like, how far I think we'll go in Europe this season, I think, I think probably... Maybe last sixteen. All depends on the draw as well, because you, uh, you obviously you got some big hitters in the Europa League this year, Liverpool, etc. But like, I just want us to go into every game and win it. I'm not in the mindset of like, oh, thank God we're out of Europe now. It's focused on the league. Like, no, I want like see if we make Dublin and we miss out in the league. That's what it is. Like, like that's the thing though. Like, if we that's the thing. If we were to make Dublin and win. Europa League, but miss out in the league. You'd much rather the Europa League. Let's be honest, wouldn't you? Oh yeah. Um, I mean, if you were, if you were guaranteed to win it, I it's just. Oh, yeah. uh, yeah. Well, we'll pass record in finals anyway. I don't. I mean, it would be great to get to another final, but I don't think my heart could take another one and lose another one. Like, but then again, they say third time's a charm. So, and can I say as well, Craig? Like, so obviously, like, um, I was got to be done to make the Champions League, but that's one thing that annoyed me so much. But Rangers fans, oh yeah, I'm just imagine we did get in there, and we would have got back like here. Yeah. And so, if we got the Champions League, we'll be like, like, we would have got like twenty five million quid. Right, and obviously Celtic are getting battered in Europe now, right? Yeah. Uh, but obviously they're 20, 20 million quid ahead of us now. So that's the thing. Though, even if we made the Champions League and we got battered, we're like, yeah, yeah it's what it is, right? But we've got thirty million quid in the bank, you know. So yeah, of course, Europa League is obviously our playground, and we are. I think that is our level, um, and I'm enjoying the European nights and that. But obviously, I would much rather be in the Champions League, mate. Let's be honest. Like, I much prefer that. And uh, obviously, if we did get through, we would have got. Uh, I think it was Arsenal, Seville, and. I'm not sure. Yeah, so it's like I mean, look at that group. I don't well. think that would have been a. I don't think that group would have been as hard as people might have made it. I mean, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think we, you know, Seville and and Mons, I think would have been reasonable. I don't know if I could have had gone back to the Ram Sanchez uh, PG one to be fair, but I mean, um, I as you say, it is what it is. But I think we're in a good position now. Obviously, we should be qualifying from this group. That was the aim to get at least second place. I still think we can get top spot. We've already beaten Betis. I didn't think they were anything great against us. They're going to be facing a much better Rangers team. Um, so I think, you know, minimum second place now anyway. But I, you're I going to Betis, aren't you? You're going to Betis, yeah. Yes, I, I will be. So um, I, I couldn't go through that, mate. I've still got PTSD from Seville, man. <laughs> I couldn't do that. <laughs> I mean, t- to be fair, um, I'm, I'm just going to avoid like the whole... Uh, Sevilla Stadium part and just find with the rest of the city you know I only t- to be fair I only went through in the day so I'm just going to avoid that sort of we we find me so I don't need to put up with the PTSD um, but no I, I mean it will be good to go to a different stadium and hopefully we can get the job done then um, speaking about getting jobs done we did it last week against Hearts pretty comfortable um, in the end obviously winning 3-1 through your cup final and we get the wonderful news this week that um, we're going to be getting 25,000 tickets at Hamden, um, despite the, the great protests of uh, Aberdeen and uh, Dave Cormack uh, et al. It's an argument that for me is getting boring, but we need to talk about it, don't we? Because it comes up, weirdly enough, it comes up more when it's Rangers involved, isn't it? Um, they do kind of have a wee grumble if they're in a final against Celtic, but it's only when it's against us that it makes, you know, statement territory and stuff like that. At the end of the day, I think the allocation's pretty fair. Um, 19,500 Aberdeen fans, the, uh, the um, capacity of Pataudry is 20,000 that they can't even sell out anyway. Um, I think they've got about 10,000 season ticket holders. Every single Aberdeen season ticket holder, every single Aberdeen fan that was at the Hibs game, not that there was many, will get a ticket. 
I don't understand what what the problem is. For me, Scott, um, it's more about you know rewarding fans. I think because you know your team gets the cup final. I think if you support your club through all the rounds, you, you deserve the best possible opportunity to get a ticket to the final. We know it's not going to be possible all the time, but for me, there's going to be Rangers fans there that have been to every round in the cup, including at Hamden, paid lots of money that are going to be missing out on a ticket to a cup final because a guy for Dice wants to support Aberdeen for the first time in five years, even though he can't be bothered going down to Petodio normally. For me, that type of behaviour shouldn't be tolerated. We boast in Scotland about having, you know, the most um, like highest attended games per head of population or whatever in Europe. Why do we want to reward the people that don't go to the football? These guys are paying their money in week in, week out. They're going to lose out to people that don't want to go to support their team normally. For me, I think it's a nonsensical argument. Give tickets to the fans that are actually going to go and actually deserve to be there, in my opinion. Oh no, you you hit the nail on the head. They're Craig, you're absolutely spot on. Like that's the thing though, we Aberdeen fans, like the only games they actually turn up for, like a Pitodri, is against Rangers and Celtic. That's it. When you look at the like other games as well, the place is like half empty. So like it also like the, the Aberdeen fans does it, like should it be a 50-50 split? Absolutely not. Like because that's the thing though, you know Rangers will sell their one out, right? And you know it, like if you if it was 50-50, could you even trust Aberdeen fans to even sell out the full allocation? I don't think they'll sell out the one that they've got anyway. Right. So I think the one that they, they the allocation they've got just now is absolutely fair. 110% is absolutely fair, you know. So, but yeah, you just it summed up perfectly, Craig. Like, because that's the thing when you look at Pitodri, when, when I'm watching sports scene, right, and they've got a home game, place is barely, like, it's like completely empty half the time. And I'm just like, that's, that's embarrassing. Like, I would say the only fans, I would say, see if it was Rangers and Hearts in the final. I could maybe trust, you can maybe trust Hearts, right, uh, uh, to sell out their full allocation, right? You can be like, okay, Hearts, like, they they do have a, a, good, a decent home support, and you'll be like, oh, that's the only, oh, I'll be like, okay, that's the only one I would, like, consider entertaining if it was a 50-50 split. I'll be like, okay, that's fair enough, but Hibs, um, Aberdeen, absolutely no chance, and obviously I'm seeing it on social media just now saying it's a disgrace, all this kind of stuff, but no, it's it's 110% the right uh, allocation the way it is just now. Yeah, I mean, it's only a disgrace when it's Rangers that's involved in it. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, it, just general, I think like the, the sort of behaviour of some people, it's it's very petty, it's small-minded. It kind of just sums up the petulance, I think, uh, of Scottish football. And there's, for me, there's a lot of clubs like your Hibs, your Aberdeen's, Dundee United's that sort of masquerade themselves as big clubs, but in reality, they aren't big clubs. Um, you know, as I say, I just I don't understand why... People are so hell-bent in trying to reward fans that don't go to games. You know, it's like the, the whole thing. I think ideally, right, a final should be a 50-50 split, right? The issue for me that I've got is why should Aberdeen even be given the chance to have a 50-50 split when time and time and time again, they don't sell out Petodre, they don't sell out their allocations at Hamden. And, you know, in, in terms of a sort of operational point of view for the, the SPFL and the sponsors and policing and whatnot, they need to know by a certain period of time what the attendance is going to be at that stadium, how many fans are going to be there from either side, where they're going to be sitting, etc, etc. Because, you know, Rangers and Aberdeen fans don't have a very uh, nice history with each other. So there is a small potential for trouble. There's likely maybe going to be some barriers up and stuff like that, like you get at Ibrox. So 
from a policing perspective, it's not, it can't, Aberdeen just couldn't just say, all right, there's an extra 5,000 tickets for Rangers fans like a week before the final when, okay, Rangers fans will sell out fair enough, but think about the place, they might need to replan routes, they might need to go and look at rehiring staff and all that, which in the end, only person that costs money is the taxpayer. So, from an operational point of view, Scott, it, also that whole thing of, uh, let's just give them 50-50 and if they don't just send it back for me, I just don't see how that can work either. Yeah, no, you're, yeah, you absolutely nailed it. Absolutely nailed it, yeah. So it's like, as I was saying, you, you don't know if you can, like, can you actually, that's what I'm saying, can you even trust them to sell out their allocation? No, you can't. So obviously they, they're, they've done, obviously I was criticising their, our governing bodies uh, earlier on the show, but they've, they're spot on with this one, mate. They're absolutely spot on because, like, you, they, they need to, like the allocation is correct. It's it's the right thing to do. Whereas, see if it was like an old firm uh, final, of course it needs to be a 50-50 split. But, yeah, it's, you summed up perfectly, mate. Um, yeah, like it's, it's the right thing to do. No, absolutely. Um, we've got a game on Sunday, another big one. Levy away. Um, yep. I'll be there. It'll be, be interesting. I don't, I don't mind Levy. It's a decent away day. To be fair, it's it's obviously the only ticket that you're going to get in my jails nowadays, isn't it? Um, I don't know. The, the tickets came out. I think earlier for for the Aberdeen game. Um, next, I mean, on a couple of weeks of us one after the international break. So. Um, good luck to everyone in that ballot. Um, I hope everyone that got one's absolutely proud of themselves. And uh, if you're selling a ticket, you know where I'm on Twitter. Just send me a message, please. Thank you. Um, but it's a big game on Sunday. Um, a double header. Celtic at home to Aberdeen as well. Um, we've got the chance to cut the gap, kind of for an hour or two, down to five points. Which I suppose net after the games the undertaken out, it probably should be anyway. Um, it's going to be a tough game, Scott. Um, in terms of the starting 11 ugh, changes, for me, I'd probably bring Yilmaz back in. I thought, thought Barisic was pretty poor in, uh, last night, so I would bring Yilmaz back in, give him a bit of game time. Balligan back in, maybe, don't know. Um, I, would, I, wouldn't yeah. mind, I wouldn't mind Davies, but I, I, I would be I need to go with Balligan. I think he's been good. Um, apart from that, I think it'll probably be the same the rest of the way around. What, what about you in terms of um, selection for Sunday? Obviously, I agree like, about uh, Yilmaz. It's, I think it's good, obviously, with uh, Barisic and Yilmaz. It's good to actually rotate them quite a bit. And mm. um, But Balogun, I would bring him in. I think, obviously, when we did sign Balogun in the summer, I was content with it. I don't think he should have left us uh, a, a couple of years ago. But I would say Balogun definitely like had a great showing against Dundee, by the way. <laughs> like Obviously, mm. um, like obviously he's for the, I think it was our first goal. Like it was where he just like bombed forward. Um, I thought he was like, he was absolutely terrific. But I think see for these kind of games, playing Livy away from home in that plastic pitch, I think Balligan has got this. He's got experience and he's perfect for these kind of games. I would actually like to see young uh, Ross uh, run young uh, Ross McCausland get a wee shown as well because. Um, He's been featuring quite a bit since uh, Clements came in, and I think he's got huge potential. He's quick in the ball. Um, it's like he's, his delivery is pretty good as well, and I think he'll be like for these kind of games. <clears throat> I think McCaw's going to be perfect. Um, so I would start him as well. And uh, yeah, but like obviously, we say, I will say this as well about Ben Davies and Goldson. See their partnership since Clements came in; it's been brilliant. Like mm. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Craig, but I think we've only conceded I think one goal. One or two goals since Clements came in. Am I right in saying that? Pretty well, actually, up until that Sparta Prague player scored last night, Lauren Shanklin was the only person to have scored oh, against I, yeah, so, yeah, sorry, I free. Yeah, sorry, I free. Yeah, it's, um, 
I thought it just escaped me there because obviously the Shankland uh, scored the penalty at Hamden, then obviously the goal, obviously he scored against the other Ibrox. But yeah, defensively we've been really organised. And one thing I've noticed as well with the, our defence, they're actually talking to each other. There's proper communication there, <laughs> and obviously in there as well, Goldson and. Um, Davies really solid in there together, and obviously, I, in, in the summer I wrote Ben Davies off, mate. I really did, but since come on, he's he's been very good. He's been very impressive, but defensively we look well organised, and yeah, like, I haven't really changed too much. But I like to see Balogun and Yelmaz come in, and obviously Yelmaz has been quite quite impressive, but he's another one as well. Like he's he's final balls pretty bad. <laughs> he needs to improve in that like he's quick and he's good at going he's good going forward but he needs to work on his delivery. But I wouldn't change too much. Um but in terms of Todd Cantwell, he's never started uh like a game like playing on a plastic pitch. So for me, if if he doesn't start, then I think that'll be Clement being very cautious and wary because obviously Cantwell's not long came back from an injury. And we we all know how brutal uh, these plastic pitches are um, so would I start Cantwell uh, at the weekend I would I would actually start him but I wouldn't play him the full 90 minutes I'll play him probably to, for like half like probably till the 60th minute or so um, because Cantwell's obviously got the goal last night had a great game so we need to build on that confidence as well so yeah I would start Cantwell but I wouldn't really change too much Mm-hmm. Shout out to uh, Ross McCausland last night, by the way. I thought it was excellent. A couple of really great balls for it. You know, just a shame that um, nothing could be finished off, unfortunately. Right. But he, um, he he looks a real deal. So, so fair play to him, actually, for coming in and sort of staking a place in the team, especially when you've got a new manager. You mentioned it there, Scott, we can't. Well, and that's something that I, I've, I've noticed recently. Um, when you actually think about it, we've played two games under uh, plastic pitch conditions. Um, since Campbell arrived to Rangers. The first one was um, February um, this year, 3-0 away to Levy. We won. Um, he didn't start that game. He came off the bench. That was the week before the cup final where he didn't start either. So Michael Beale couldn't really use the excuse that he was starting to rest him for the cup final because he never played him in that either. Then the next game was obviously the unfortunate Kilmarnock defeat, the first game of the season. He never started him for that game either. So for me... If Cantwell doesn't start on Sunday, that is a cause for concern in terms of is he actually able to play on these surfaces? Now, obviously, he might start and cool, my theory might all get blown at the water, but I think if that's three games in a row under two different managers where he's no starting on that surface, then that's bad. And that's a problem because... <laughs> You've got Levy and Kilmarnock. You, you go, you're going to go there at least three times a season, maybe four, if Kilmarnock finish in the top six. So, you know, that's a lot of games. And Cantwell's one of the players that we need, you know, to, like he's a match winner. He's a guy that yeah. can change a game, you know, in the um, toss of a coin. He's one of the only players in the team that's fit and that can do that. So we need him to be playing in these games. And they're big games and they're tough games. And, We've seen it a couple of years ago when we won the league. You know, we went to Levy. Um, well, I know we drew 0-0, but 1-1-0, the, the game on Morelos score, we went to Kelly, 1-1-0. You know, we're keeping clean sheets at these venues, nailing down good results. You need to go to these places and win games ultimately to, to be lifting that trophy come May. Oh, yeah. No, 100%. Yeah, these, are, these games are tough. They are very tough, especially on that surface where it's like, like so, obviously you hear players talk about it all the time. It's like it's really brutal, brutal to play on, and obviously it's 
if you get an injury on that, sometimes it's very hard for certain players to come back from that. Like, for example, look at David Templeton. I think it was uh, 10 years ago or so, um, where he got injured in that plastic pitch. I, I think it was at Annan, I think it was. And he pretty much was never the same player after that. So, obviously, even though I really don't like plastic pitches, they're, sadly, they're, they're here to stay. Um, and it, it is what it is. But yeah, that's the thing. There'll be, there'll be certain players, like, like especially Todd Cantwell, I don't think you should be playing him for a full 90 minutes on these pitches. Yeah, definitely start him. And then once the, the game's like done and dusty, that's when you take him off. So yeah, um, if if Cantwell, for example, right, was to get injured on Sunday, uh, that would be a big concern. Because at, at that, if he does, then it'll be like, when we go to like Kamara and Livingston, it's like, he's Cantwell's one of our best players. Like, Sometimes you'll need to be thinking he can't start. You you you'll, you'll have to like bring him on, um, for, like from the bench. So, yeah, that would be a huge concern. But yeah, the plastic pitches, I'm not a fan of them whatsoever, man. <laughs> not a fan. No, definitely. Um, it's going to be a tough one anyway. Um, Levine Sunday. Um, as I say, it always is, but. Um, hopefully we can get the job done um, Guys, we are live on YouTube this evening um, Obviously if you've just tuned in um, You can rewind at any point And hear us from the start um, We are also going to be available On all your usual podcast providers um, At some point tomorrow As well, um, if you fancy listening to it uh, And you're motoring your spare time Or whatever it is that you do um, And that will be us for tonight Anyway, we've uh, taken up a lot of your time On this Friday evening um, Scott, what's your Prediction then for Sunday? I'm going to say Rangers will win 2 0. 2 0 Rangers. I'll go I'll go for a 2 0 as well. I said we were going to win 2 0 last week against Hearts and we won 3 1. And I said we were going to win 1 0 last night and we won 2 1. So if I say we win two, we're going to win 2 0, we'll probably win 3 1. So I'd take a 3 1 anyway. A win's a win, but I think I think 2 0 as well. Hopefully we'll. I'm going to go Danilo and Big Lammers. Danilo and Big Lammers. I'm, I'm holding out hope for Big Lammers, mate. You will come good. I'm going to put my neck in the line and uh, I believe you will come good. I know that won't go down well, but I believe there's a player in there, mate. There is a player there. <laughs> Hopefully there is. I'll say 2 0, Danilo and. Oh, a wee cheeky penalty. That would be good. We, oh, we love a penalty. We oh, love a penalty Rangers. They actually love it in the Rangers Twitter. They always go penalty to Rangers. And then you just see the usual people were applying saying typical all region. It's brilliant. Ah, it's usual. But um, aye, a wee penalty on Sunday wouldn't go amiss. Just a shame that David Dickinson isn't the referee. Um, but no, Scott, thanks very much. Obviously, it's been your, your debut tonight. How have you found it? It's been good, yeah. Oh, I loved it. It's been an absolute pleasure and uh, I'm looking to be on, uh, looking forward to being on many more shows uh, in the future. Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Fully enjoyed it. No, it's been brilliant. Um, we'll be back on Sunday, ladies and gentlemen, at half past nine um, to review that Livingston game. It'll be John um, hosting with Colin and Rob on Sunday at half past nine. So that's it for this evening, guys. Great result last night and uh, hopefully we can get the job done on Sunday. Bye for now, guys. Have a great weekend.